tree to have fruit in it for you to grab from come on start this thing already i mean that's the open (laughs) how you doing buddy no i want to give people a better insight into this so i was waiting because jeremy's a fidgeter you might not know that because this is not a visual medium but jeremy's got his phone and sometimes he's typey typing and he's changing his headphones he looks very very he's very well dressed today he's prepared for the day and so I will give him a countdown, which is like, hey, we're going to start in 30. 30 always turns into 45 because right around the five second before we start, Mark, Jeremy will usually say something to me that requires a conversation. And so uh, today we're not doing that. It's almost like I wish we could time travel backwards and start this over. All true statements, all the way, including the last <laughs> one. But if we did go back in time a little bit, would we just do it maybe once in the entire movie and then never really deal with it again as a plot device? I don't know. But if you haven't figured this out yet, uh, we're going to talk about The Atom Project today. So this is going to be a little bit of a different episode. I'm going to start this. We're starting right now. Spoilers. If you have not seen The Atom Project, just go watch it and then come back. If you don't want to see The Atom Project, feel free to listen and we'll basically ruin the movie for you. But this is absolutely relevant as of right now. We are not going to dance around it because there's really no way to do that for the most part. So if you've not seen The Adam Project, you should probably either not listen or just not care. Yeah, spoilers are going to start literally one second from now. He wins in the end. (laughs) All right. That's what you get. We warned you. Uh, I only did that because anyone who listens regularly knows how loath I am to talk spoilers. Like, I won't spoil movies that are like 40 years old. I, I will not tell you what happens to Fredo on this That's podcast. That's right. You won't. It's so sad. It's so sad. Don't Poor say Fredo. anything. Hey, listen, no spoilers for that one. Adam Project, though, we can spoil. So we're going to bring back a version-ish kind of of we used to do five questions, and this is going to be kind of just like a banter back and forth. So my turn, your turn. Uh, we, we both wanted to watch The Adam Project. Netflix has had a string of like big budget, like high production value movies. Uh, this is the first one I think that probably deserved its own airtime, in my opinion. Uh, and even that might hmm. be stretching. We'll see. We'll see how we both land on that. That's, a, that's an interesting question is if you were to go to the, the pantheon of Netflix movies, I would say the current, uh, also the Jane, I haven't watched it yet, but my hunch is the Jane Campion, uh, the, the Way of the Dog is probably theater worthy. Yeah, I've heard like, it's really good. I've not seen that yet. Yeah, same. Uh, what else? That's a, that's a, it, That would be an interesting episode right there, just like top five Netflix movies. Yeah, maybe period. we will. This one, for some reason, actually, I mean, again, as, as we always do, this was spawned from you and I just being movie nerds and talking about it. And we got like a third of the way through a conversation and went, this feels like we could just probably talk about this on a podcast. And so uh, here we are. Yeah, and it's interesting you brought up the, you know, the, the bigger Netflix movies because the other most biggest one, that's, that's correct, grammar-ish. Sure. Right. Yeah. Uh, the no the the six underground, yep. which we talked about before. What's interesting is the top biggest sort of actiony movies Netflix has. Both are Ryan yeah. Reynolds. Right. If we were to go to the third, it would probably be Red Definitely Notice. Be, yeah. Starring. Uh, 
Ryan Reynolds. Well, Ryan Reynolds is basically their their action comedy version of their Adam Sandler, right? Like they've got a couple people that they just are working on projects with that I assume has to do with how they structure deals. So Probably. you know, Sandler is just doing his 15th vacation movie with his buddies. And now basically it's like, I think they just sort of greenlit Reynolds to go pick the stuff that he thinks would be fun to do with a decent budget. And by the way, I think he's crushing it. Like I like everything he's doing. Everything he's done okay. on Netflix is so much fun. Whether or not they're brilliant movies, I think will be a topic of discussion today. Fair enough. And also the, the only other comparison I was going to draw to six underground is that was by Michael Bay, who's definitely a theater worthy director. And this is by Sean Levy who did um, Date Night, which we talked yeah. about before. He did Real Steel, which wasn't great, but actually Real Steel feels like a pretty good Netflix movie. Re- yeah, that Real Steel right. would have been a great Netflix movie. It would have been like, oh, wow, Netflix nailed this. <laughs> yeah. Also did The Free Guy and is now, uh, now I don't know if they're filming yet, but is now tapped in for Deadpool 3. Yeah, well, yeah, him and Reynolds are becoming, they're, they're, they're obviously setting up a pretty strong link, which is good though, because I also think that they work well together. Free Guy's another one that I would like. I actually like that movie. Like, I thought it was a lot of fun. That's queued up for one of these upcoming weekends. All right, JT, do you technically this would have been your week to start first? So, would you like to do one of your questions to kick off our discussion of said film? I mean, if you want me to, I'll leave it up to you. You make the decision because I don't, you could be lying to me. I never know if it's my turn. I'm ready to, I got questions. Yeah, I think I, I got a, I got a fun one to go with, but I want to. I think we should give you the nod, sir. Okay, so I don't want to get into the movie movie yet. I want to do that later. I want to do a fun one. And so back when we used to do okay. five questions, there was always some sort of games or whatever where I made you rank things. And so I want you to have to rank something here because we're a ranking podcast. It's quite literally what we do. We are. So I would like you to rank the following time travel movies. From best use of time travel to worst use of time travel. Okay, now will I need to take notes? Is this how, how long no, is no, our list? It's here? a fi- it's five. What do you mean? How long is it? <laughs> right. I'll tell you something funny. I have a topic related to other time travel movies, and I have four movies written down here. So I'm very curious which of the how many of these four you uh, you hit up. In okay, so, so I wanted, so one of them is obviously going to be this movie, right? We need to rank the Adam Project. So Adam Project is one. Okay. I picked things I, I'm like 99.9% sure you saw, and I tried to keep a similar vein through all of them. So Adam Project, Tenant. Okay. X-Men Days of Future Past. Mm. Terminator 2. And then clearly back to the future. Here's the best part. Not one of those is in the five I have listed. Nailed it. (laughs) That's awesome. Okay. So we got back to the future, T2, Tenet, and I'm sorry, I forgot. X-Men Days of Future Past. Okay. And you would like me to rank them from what I think of the movies or what is the ranking device for me to use? So the ranking device specifically is about how the use of time travel. Right. Like whether it was like how well it was done in the movie and did it did it make sense the whole time? Like just because you are very thoughtful about stuff like this, like hinky is a word that you've probably heard Jeremy use on the cast before, (laughs) which is like when there's a plot device or something that's weird in the movie where immediately like Jeremy's got a really impressive brain to see something and go, 
they they're referencing that wrong from 45 minutes ago in the movie and now these two things are inconsistent like you're you catch stuff like that immediately are you, are you calling me a, are you calling me a geek are you calling me no a geek? i'm giving you a compliment i mean you're definitely a geek but that's not what okay. i was saying <laughs> <laughs> all right so we've got t2 in which the basic conceit is you can travel back into the past and have an impact on the future uh but we don't really actually know anything else about that because the only thing we really learned is that T1 led to T2 somehow. So the actions of T1 were not sufficient to stop the, the future war of the robots. So travel the past, affect the future, maybe. We don't actually right. know. Back to the future. Once again, we're not fully sure. We know that your picture fades out if you're risking your own future. Right. So there's a... And by the way, when your picture fades out, what happens is the background somehow fades in because the camera knew right. you would have taken that same picture, of course. Yeah, no right? other like, events would have been different. So that picture would have happened just without you in it. Right, right. You wouldn't have had the, had the other people in a similar picture maybe posed differently since there's no awkward third person no longer in the picture. This is exactly why I brought this question up to you. <laughs> incidentally, incidentally, it is the... It is, Probably the 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 deep the the that's as far as you can get with real problems with that movie. Well, and and some of the Oedipal issues. But uh, okay, we have that one. We have sorry, I need your list one more time. We got Adam Project, in which it's also somewhat unclear what happens to the future, other than you yourself uh, not just die but explode into this sort of like starbursty. Yeah, it's effect. got big Jubilee vibes from X-Men. Uh, X-Men Days of Future, Future Past is another <laughs> one that I brought up. Right. And that's sort of in the same vein as the T2 Back to the Future in a way. Like you do a thing in the past and then immediately like the future becomes a whole different right. thing. So... And then Tenet. Tenet is... Okay, Tenet's the tightest. So... The the without without spoiling anything about what happens to Tenet, the one thing they definitely do is make sure that there is no real hinkiness to the time travel device itself, uh, which I think is very very clever. I think the best, like it's got a lot of flaws as a movie, but one of the things it does so well is make like that part is thought through. I agree. Right. It's like Nolan forgot to develop the rest of the script that makes movies like really rich and enriching, but he has this this whole core pincer thing that, that, that is brilliant and yeah, brilliant. So, okay. So I'll give 10 at the tops from that perspective. I'll probably then have a, have to do a bit of a, of a, at least a two way tie between, uh, between T2 and. Hmm. No, I'll just have T2 next. Okay. I'll have back to the future next. I'll have. And then I'll put an Adam Project for it. And so then X-Men Days of Future Past is fifth? Well, no. No, you know what? I'm going to put Adam Project last only because of the Jubilee effect. <laughs> As it will now permanently be known. Yeah. So I actually thought that's basically how I thought you would do it. I wasn't sure if you were going to go back to the future because you and I just personally have talked about how for the most part, it's actually pretty tight. For a movie that was like comedy, fun, family stuff – they did a pr with the, the the fading picture is the one glaring exception, but everything else is kind of like all right, yeah, this kind of tracks. Like it all sort of makes sense, which is fun. I, I mean, there's there's you can pick nits with Back to the Future if you want, like things like 
would they really not at all recognize this person in any way? Like, would there not be a moment in the future of be like, hey, remember that that guy that we met, that Calvin Klein? And by the way, isn't it weird that there's an underwear brand called Calvin Klein? Yeah. Like, all sorts of things. Did I just refer to the fashion brand Calvin Klein as the underwear brand? Calvin well, I Klein? think most people probably do think of them more as like underwear than anything else. Yeah, but like the music thing has always been a thing for me, which is like, oh, I think I found your sound. It's like, oh boy. Well, no, probably not. Yeah. <laughs> Back to the Future is, is the perfect movie. It's actually the ultimate, like, just don't think hard because if you think about it a little bit, it actually does hold up. But if you think about it too much, it, all of a sudden you start finding these right. problems, which... Most movies benefit from not. All right, JT, right back at you with almost the same question. Okay. So so uh, basically the same – I mean, the question I've written down is which is the best time travel logic? Okay. So I guess that is – actually, it is the same question. But different right? movies, so this is great. Okay, here are your five movies. The Adam sure. Project, Bill and Ted's Excellent okay. Adventure, Looper. Oy. Well, I thought it was it's it's different. That's it why it's different. It. So Looper's one that was on my list and then I was like, nah, never mind. Yeah, I don't I don't think Looper's a great movie, but I thought it was a, it was an interesting take on this topic. Uh, of course, Hot Tub Time Machine okay. and Avengers Endgame. Ooh, Avengers Endgame. So it's funny. So when I was putting my list together, I went with action comedy for the most part, with T2 being the one mm. exception. I was like, okay, I want to go with action movies that are very specifically that. The the other obviously side of that is like there is there's like Groundhog's Day and there's all this other stuff that I didn't want to do. So I thought Groundhog Day would make your list until you threw Avengers Endgame at me and now I'm very confused. All right. Well, technically Groundhog Day is not time tra- it it playing with time, but it's not Looper. I guess you could I guess in a way. Fine. You could, you know. <laughs> You want me to throw Groundhog Day in there? How's Winston doing? Uh, he's having a really good time right now, if you can't tell. It's, it's, it's super <laughs> great. That's Winston, everybody. Uh, all right. So from from best to worst, I didn't particularly like the movie. And there was a bunch of stuff that I was not a fan of. But I think Looper's probably the best of everything you just said. Could be. Could yeah. Be. I don't know that there's a definitive. No, there's not. I'm just thinking in my head because I'm trying. Like, so here's here was my thought. Well, actually, let me talk you. Let me walk you through my thought process. So, Adam Project, because that's what we're actually supposed to be talking about today. Adam Project was was purely about time travel, and there were some things they did where I was like, neat. I like this. Some of this makes sense, and then there was other stuff where I was like. I'm having a real hard time forgetting that you're doing this in time travel right now. Like there was just a, a couple very specific things where I was like, I don't know, man. I don't know. Like everything I've been told my whole life about time travel in movies is this whole like, you know, don't go see yourself. Don't do all these things, permanence and the ripple in the, the matrix and all that stuff. And they just sort of like didn't address it which it's okay that they did it. And that was the point. The point is like, we're doing the thing you're not supposed to do. I'm into that. But then there's all this other stuff. So I actually don't think they nailed it because they just sort of like glossed over a lot of it until they introduced Mark Ruffalo's character. And it was like, oh, I guess he's a scientist, so it's fine. But they didn't actually address it. So it's probably towards the bottom. Avengers is interesting because... My issue with my issue with all Marvel things is timing. <laughs> like, like when way? they decide to all of a sudden do things, like all of a sudden time travels a thing 
that you can use and they use it in particular moments where it's kind of like the Moana theory, which is like, just use time travel earlier. And this problem literally goes away. Like, so it's, it's the, the basic conceit. It's the same as the three wishes time travel and the three wishes problem are the same, right? Unless you insert the, you can't wish for more wishes rule. Yeah. Time travel is the same. Like why didn't, why didn't you go back? Or forward or whatever, just 10 minutes more. It's yeah, so that's the like, thing with Avengers. Avengers, yeah. I think, actually handles time travel well, but uses it terribly. Is actually how I would couch that. I don't know about... they don't. Not, listen, nobody handles it perfect because we don't know how it's supposed to actually happen, but that's fine. So Avengers, good. Adam Project, not great. Looper, considering exactly how they use it, um, I think it's interesting. I think it was actually pretty interesting. Uh, all right, what are the other ones? Hot Tub Time Machine. Hot Tub Time Machine I've seen exactly once, and I only remember it being silly, and I don't remember there being any consequences to the fact that they were time traveling. That's roughly true. (laughs) I mean, there's implied consequences, but it's it's sort of in the same, like, lips. It's like lip service to consequences of time travel as opposed to serious consequences. And what's the last one? Yeah, what uh, Bill and Ted's? So, all right, starting from the bottom and going up, I'm going to go Hot Tub Time Machine being the who cares the most. Uh, I think probably see Bill and Ted's is actually pretty fun. I could make an argument. I mean, it's silly. They're just it's such Avengers is throwing me off because it's such a different use case. (laughs) It's like such a different use case. Uh, It's a good list. All right, I'm going to go. Bottom to top, Hot Tub Time Machine, Bill and Ted. No, Hot Tub Time Machine, Adam Project, Bill and Ted, Endgame Looper. And I think the, those, the first two I could probably swap back and forth pretty easily. It's a fair list. I'll tell you the note I've written down is that Bill and Ted's is actually the ultimate version of time machine, uh, of time travel in the movie, in that it is, it is, other than the unintended consequences of bringing these people into the future and having them experience the future and then going back into their own timelines. Other than that, everything about it, I think is actually perfection the way, because they cover their own tracks by doing the, don't forget, we got to come back at some point in the future and do this other thing. That's fair. That's true. So I love that. I love that cheat. It's like the ultimate cheat code. It's like, Hey, at any point in the future, come back in time and drop the garbage pail on on the dad's right, head, or right, whatever, right, right, right. Yeah, that's it's, that's that's a good point. But the somehow notion that Napoleon and uh, Plato, or no, Socrates, 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 won't uh, won't end up writing a couple of notes on the future in their uh, in their writings at some right. point, maybe. Yeah. So. If they one thing they had added to Bill and Ted's was some form of like Men in Black style uh, blank uh, blackout your memory yeah. thing, then you have the ultimate perfection in time travel. I yeah, no arguments. Yeah, I, that's that's totally fair. I'm not Bill and Ted is not a one that I. It's not one that's like super close to me. So I'm going off of like the two or three times that I've seen it. I loved it by the way, but it's not highly right. quotable. So maybe my lack of memory for it is is not serving it well. The other ones I've definitely seen. Strange things are afoot at the Circle K. That part I remember. San Dimas High School Football Rules. I think it's a very quotable movie. I'm going to spend the rest of this movie, rest of this episode remembering quotes and throwing them out in a random times. That's great. But people are going to love that and I'm not going to pick them up. All right. So my turn now. 
<clears throat> so I want to get to the Adam project. So there was one specific question. So now we're getting a little bit deeper into it, but like, first of all, I think it's important. This isn't a question, but just to level set on a, on a one to 10, where do you put Adam project? I gave it a okay. six and I gave it like a pretty hard seven, like gearing up towards eight, which I think is its ceiling, which we might talk about in this question. So if there was a thing that you could change about the movie, not like one, not a moment or something, but if there is a, a, a thing in the movie that you think was holding it back, what is that thing? It's very funny because we, so, so everybody knows we prepared our topics independent of each other. It's just sort of how we roll. It's part of the fun of our, our show. My, my next question is what makes this movie not great? Perfect. So basically the same thing. Great. So, yeah. So I have three notes. Okay. So I, I don't know if I can give you just one, but maybe we could talk about these three together. I want to hear your thoughts on the same topic. What, what holds it? You gave it a seven. So there's still, there's still a point available in your sure. world. So I want to know what gets at that point. I narrowed down while I was prepping to these three plot areas as sort of the problem with this movie. Okay. My, my fundamental is it's trying to do too much. It's, it's got one plot line too many and one underdeveloped plot line too few. Too okay. many. Also too many. Both okay. are too many. So problem area one, uh, Zoe Saldana. She's in this movie for what, like eight minutes? Something, something like, like that. Yeah, it's not a lot. Like, first of all, love her, so give her more screen time. But second of all, like, if the plot device is that he loved her so much and is longing for her and he'll do anything to get back to her and whatever, then she deserves more than eight minutes of screen time. Instead, she's sort of this red herring, but she's Zoe Saldana. And she's and like the, the moment where, again, for the last time, spoilers, the moment where she effectively dies has no weight and impact, which I think is also a mistake of this movie. Like, you know, in fact, I watched that moment and even my kids with me were like, well, she'll be back. It was, you know what I mean? And you don't actually see her again, which is also part of the problem. But this was the moment in the movie where I thought it was going to go down a different road. And this is the one I was hoping it would go down, which is that from this moment, you'd start having these weird interplays with time. And you'd have like Zoe from 2016 and Zoe from 2018 and Zoe from 2052 or whatever year that was. And they're sort of like going back and forth. And one might be like... What should have happened, in my opinion, if you're going to have the Zoe plotline is like 2016 Zoe, you, you see her disappear in a, in a flash of whiteness. And then like 20 minutes later in the movie, you all of a sudden are reintroduced to her two years younger, still dealing with some other time travel thing. And then somehow she ends up right at that instant and saves her from that blast and puts her back somewhere else in the timeline. Like I thought they were going to go with one of those like, oh, we're going to have some craziness going down. And instead, she literally doesn't come back in the entire movie. So that's problem area one for me is either it's a long lost love. We don't ever see her the entire movie. And then maybe she's there like Back to the Future style waiting on the park bench at the end of the movie or something. Or, or you don't ever have to see her. I, I don't I didn't need I didn't need the love interest character to be part of this movie. And if I am going to have her, I want like. I want her to have much more depth than what she had. Yeah, I think that's totally reasonable. So the, the the thing is, is that the reason he's going back is to get her, 
right? And then, no, I mean, that's the truth, right? The, well, the reason is, he goes back. Is it to get her to stop or to stop See, this lady. is the problem. This is my problem with the movie. Okay. Right? My problem with the movie okay. is his motivation is to go get his wife. His wife's motivation is to stop the evil lady. He then inherits his wife's motivation because, you know, whatever, altruism and all that stuff. And in the process, loses his wife, which, by the way, all of that is sort of fine with the exception of he and his wife are never really a thing. So, like, his whole reason for being there is her. He gets her. And then in a scene that is less than seven minutes, his entire motivation changes with no issues other than him screaming a little bit in a truck. No. Nope. Right. Like just for me, make him the good guy from the very, very onset, right? Have his whole deal from the beginning being, I'm going to go back and stop the bad lady and then just give him like a really cool buddy that act that slides in, make it Zoe Saldana. Maybe they become a love interest or something like there's other ways to handle it. But the that flip in yep. motivation for me was the issue. Fair enough. I will bring you now to, to issue area two of why this movie is not great Go for ahead. me is the semi subplot about the mom, Jennifer Gardner's character. So mm. they spend a long, long time in this movie, more time than Zoe's on screen dealing with the fact that young Adam is sort of a jerk teenager and the mom is giving it all she's got and she's out drinking alone in bars which is also just sort of a little, a little odd, but not not that she can't drink a little bar. It's just like I don't even know where where they live. They live in this weird rural thing. I'm just saying, like I don't think you were as a single parent driving into the woods late at night after a couple of martinis at the local uh, saloon. Maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> just just seems it just seems more like. Hey, Adam, go to your room. And she's just drinking in the living room there, which is, by the way, a gorgeous Ooh, house. Beautiful. Uh, so my, my issue is you've got this heavy topic of, you know, she's it's like the single mom plot line. And it's it's a good 20 plus minutes in the movie. And again, it just sort of goes away. And you can certainly tell Ryan, older Adam, has regret. You can, like you know, you, you have him talking to younger self, like you're a jerk to her and this and that, but there's no real resolution at any point anywhere, right? You don't even really see young Adam be a little nicer to mom in the last, you know, in the, in the finale of the movie. Like you don't actually get the payoff of this. So I respectfully disagree with this point entirely. So I think a big part of the storyline is grief and loss and how people handle loss. Right. So it's the loss of their father. It's the loss of young Adam's future. It's the loss of old Adam's wife. Right. It's the loss of control. It's the loss of loss opportunity for the, everybody's experiencing a dimension of loss here, with the exception of Mark Ruffalo's character, the father, who I think his name was Adam or whatever. No, whatever. Lou Reed. It was Lewis Reed. Because <laughs> I remember being like, oh, walk on the wild side. Um, but like, whatever his deal <laughs> is, like, he's the one who's sort of centered in presence. And everybody else is experiencing tremendous amounts of grief and loss throughout the film in some capacity. And for me, the last scene, the buildup of, first of all, being able to like see someone that you were negatively affecting, I do think resonates 
as a, as character development for for older Adam for Ryan Reynolds' character, right? Then in that last scene, when young Adam does all the same things that he was doing, and technically has no memory of all the stuff that he had already done, but that ghost or shadow, I forget what they referred to it in your, like in your being kind of knows better. And he walks back and does that behind the head hug thing for a teenage boy. Maybe my grief and loss is like playing into my opinion of this, but like that's the most he could do in that moment. And it happened and he did it without the memory. It's just this shadow memory or whatever. I actually think, it plays all the way through. I agree that they could have made it more clear, but the subtlety I actually think is what was successful. And I respect all that. And the reason I'll, I'll continue to see it differently, my friend, is I think it's just too much of this movie. I think this is sort of why it's a problem is if it's, it's, you've got, are you a fun time travel movie with wisecracking Ryan Reynolds and younger wisecracking Ryan Reynolds, like taking on weird things and Mark Ruffalo being a weird guy, or are you kind of a serious movie about the importance of family and whatever? Like here's, here's I think where I want to go with this. I want more of this. I think either this is the plot line. It is about grief. And then you make a movie that's more like the arrival or Starman. Um, you make a more, a sort of a more serious movie, sort of what uh, Time Traveler's Wife uh, storyline. Sure. Um, or you shallow serve it, like you pay a bit more lip service. It's like a five to 10 minute plot line. I feel it messes up this movie is I guess where I'm getting at. I feel it's not well solved. If at the end you had had like, the, to your point, that, that hug and you see like Ryan notice it i think that also would have been a little different i think it needed that like maybe it was just too subtle and maybe if you're gonna like that's the thing it's like i i can't figure out what this movie is with this whole sequence interesting so i think maybe we're getting to my sort of my opinion that this movie had no chance at being a 10 and it's because i think it was trying to do two or three different types of movies pretty well at the same time instead of being a single thing yeah I agree. I, I think that's, that is the basic yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, so but for me, it was more successful right, me, because to be honest, like I would say, like, I, right. I think that without getting too, because if they had gone any harder at this, they would have had to sacrifice something else. And the, the something else would have been wisecracking crazy action scenes with Ryan Reynolds, which is also a big part of his draw. And I would argue that like a lot of Ryan Reynolds movies fall into this for me, like Deadpool kind of rides the same line. Like, it's, it's not a great superhero movie. It's not a great love interest movie. It's not a great revenge movie. But it does all three of those at the same time pretty well, which is super difficult to pull off all three of those at the same time, which makes it a really compelling movie. Right. right. I, think, I think that's well said. And I think, by the way, the more we're talking about this, the more I kind of want someone to go off and make this, like, kind of heavy time travel drama. Yeah. That's, that's about like family dynamics and loss and maybe like trying to save the thing and failing at it and coming to terms with it. Can they please call it the family infinity stone? I'm sorry. I got to go. I have to leave. I'll see myself out. <laughs> and scene. Normally we do a full hour on this, this cast, but today we're out. And so plot area three, I have a problem with is the, so what, here's what I wrote. Evil lady is just evil. Yeah. So 
I said to you when you first watched, we, we both watched it within like a day or two of each other. And, and I had said to you at the time, my biggest like grief with the mo- end of this movie is that you see young Catherine Keener. She's sort of telling old Catherine Keener to stop a couple of times. She's sort of like, why are we doing this? Like, it's very sort of like this whiny and don't get me wrong. I, I love Keener and she's actually really good at the whiny character. That's, that's a persona she's done before. Um, what I feel is lacking is younger her seems noble. Younger her is a scientist business lady, right? All these like aspirational Mark Ruffalo is clearly a good person. They're, they're partners. So they like each other. And so I get that, you know, future her, you know, future Biff Tannen's coming back and giving <laughs> the keys to the kingdom. But I sort of also have this like, but why be so evil? Like they didn't need this is one of those like it's evil for for being evil. Like even Thanos has a has a, a vision, game. right? Oh, so evil Catherine Keener sort of corrupts young Catherine Keener for no reason that we can tell at all. We can't tell that she doesn't seem happy with the future. She seems like nothing. Nothing about the future seems good, other than she's in power. And it strikes me that if you invent time travel. You could probably be benign and and have a lot of power. Just just say. So I agree. So I agree with this entirely. The only thing that I remember, and again, I don't. I've only seen it once. So I. I this is a movie I have to rewatch because there was a fair amount of stuff going on to what we've already discussed. Right? They were trying to do a lot of things at once. So maybe there was little subtleties. They clearly didn't make her motivation clear enough. I agree with you. There's some mention at some point about government ownership of her technology, and they only mention it once in passing. And I just assume that's right. her motivation for everything, but it's super unclear as to what that means and why that still wouldn't make you filthy rich and powerful. I don't, I don't know. So I agree. I, this one I have, right. I have absolutely no qualms with. I just, wrote, I'm, I'm only bringing that up because as you said it, I'm like, oh yeah, that was. I think it was like something like the Senate. Like I just remember her saying something like that and going like, so that's it. Like we're that we're all of this is because of that, I guess. And then also her younger self seems awfully cool to go along with it. For to your point, like. She had a different set of morals at the time, and they didn't seem to have any issues. Right. So I don't know. Right, and it feels like I could see. I'm not a slippery slope guy, uh, but I could see the gradual transition. I could see that she's come back and given a tip to do this, and a tip to do that, and a tip to do this. But again, I I feel like I have to really weave together some of the story in my head, and I don't mind the director doing that. I don't like. Again, one of my best action, one of the best action movies of all time is Mad Max Fury Road, where you open in the middle of a chase scene in the middle of this cave with white painted dudes, you know, a guy thing on his face. You have no idea what's going on. It doesn't matter. You can figure you you fill in the blanks yourself. In this case, I have a much harder time seeing what was the path. So the first version of this story is that Mark Ruffalo and Evil Lady have have been running this research facility, come up with the tools to time travel and what, like go bankrupt. And then, you know, I, I kind of want like maybe a quick little montage or something. It's like, show me how they went from what should have been a really good thing into this terrible dystopian future. Yeah. Just, just some way. Cause I have a hard time actually recreating that in my head. I can take that Amber gives me dinosaurs, but I need some plot device that tells me, you know, at first when we invented this technology, the government tried to steal. So I sent a warning back to my past right. self 
And then I kept doing that, kept doing that, kept doing that, and eventually becomes evil Catherine Keener. But in which case, if this is the ultimate version of where that sort of time-hopping plot story's gone, then I think actually the best ending, what we should have seen, is young Catherine Keener deliberately save the day instead of accidentally save Which the was day. funny because that scene is set up for her to do that, and then they don't do that. And right. I was like... Oh, right. Okay, I'm like it would have been cooler if she did it herself, but they, you know, whatever. So the, the only thing, and then we got to move on. The one thing I did want to say for on my side is from the time travel aspect. So I actually think they handled it well in the sense that there's that one scene with young and old Ryan where he basically says, "I'm breaking rules and I don't know what's happening." And to me, that was inviting you, the audience, into. Cool. Now, just like disbelief. Bye bye. We're good. Right now, we're just gonna. We're, now we're all in yep. this together, and anything that happens happens. There's one scene specifically that drove me absolutely nuts at the time, though, which is at the end. Mark Ruffalo goes, "Don't pull the hard drive. It could kill everybody everywhere within some huge mileage <laughs> thing." And then they spend the next 18 minutes in the movie blowing it to pieces. And that is fine, right. by the way. No issues. Containment's fine. Don't worry about Like that little thing, I'm like, just fix it. Like that's a two minute. Nobody in the room went, well, if you remove the hard drive, it could kill everybody. But if we just shoot it for the next 40 minutes, nothing will happen. Like nobody was like, that feels weird to me, right? Like that part drove me nuts. Otherwise, because of the introducing the scientist who had issues and like Mark Ruffalo's whole character, like his entire thread of not screwing with it. I actually was like, oh, all of this is working. This is working better than I thought because I thought they were going to screw this up. And I thought it was pretty – it was actually pretty good. It was not the best, but it was pretty good. That one scene, though, I was like, ugh, 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 horrible. I agree. All right, I think it's time for a little game. Okay. JT, I will give you – I think we have 14 or 15 entries. entries. Do I have to type this down? No. I will keep score for us. Your job is to name the atom. Okay. okay. For each entry, you have two clues. So we'll we'll start from easy to hard. Sometimes only one clue a couple times. So entry number one, Family Guy and Batman. Adam West. Correct. Uh, Saving Private Ryan and Friends. Saving Private Ryan and Friends. Amy Adams? No, Adam Goldberg. Oh, Adam, he was in Friends. I've 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 seen one episode of Friends, one episode of Friends, my entire life. It's funny. I thought he was a uh, more of a millennial guy. So he, no, he, he is. By the way, my, I'm sure my generation claims him. I'm like I'm the outcast with Friends. Friends is just one of those things. There's too many characters I couldn't stand. All right, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith and the OC. Mr. and Mrs. Smith. So that's Mr. and Mrs. Smith. I actually really liked. I'm trying to remember who was in that. Probably had a small part in that one. The OC is the better clue. Yeah, see, the OC I didn't watch either. Uh, Mm. I don't know. Adam Brody? Oh, I love Adam Brody, though. Oh, he was in the OC. Yeah, again. Yeah, okay, that's fair. This is good. This is a good game. Thank you. It's not meant to be too hard. I I kept it sort of light. Uh, Dazed and Confused and Chasing Amy. Joey Lorian Adams? Correct. Uh... Pitch Perfect. Amy Adams. And no, no, no. Wait, 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 <laughs> wait, wait, wait. I, I got too excited. I will. I will let you. Yeah, that won't be your actual guest for this week's movie. Pitch game. Perfect. Pitch Perfect. 
Workaholics. I didn't watch Workaholics. I'm not a big TV guy, man. Like, um, hold on. Hold on. I could see his stupid face. He's also in Modern Family. He's very funny. He was in that movie about the two kids from Troy, New York that go get wedding dates, also with Anna Kendrick. Um, mm, yeah, that's right. Oh, man. I don't remember his name. Adam Devine, Devine. That's it. Yeah, he's pretty funny. And by the way, I'm pulling from all sorts of works and different types of things. Uh, I will give you only one thing. Archer. Archer. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Created by Adam Reed. Oh, yeah, that one I wasn't going to get. I oh. love Archer, though. Pitch Perfect 2 and Pop Star Never Stop Popping. Okay, so Pop Star Never Stop Popping um, was Andy <laughs> Sandberg. I don't know. Uh, Adam Levine from Maroon 5. Oh, Adam He's Levine. In He's movies. in Pitch Perfect too. Mm-hmm. As the judge, which is pretty oh. good. Uh, going back to TV, Get Smart. The original one? Oh, I have uh-huh. no idea. Don yeah, Adams. I, I still don't know who that is. Uh, he was the original guy. In no, but I mean, like, if you showed me a picture uh, of him, I, I don't know that I could, unless he had a shoe phone at his face, I probably couldn't place him. Uh, small part in Step Brothers and Parks and Rec. Okay, so hold on. This one I should get because I love Parks and Rec. This one you should get. Adams. Um... In Parks and Rec, Adam. Oh, Adam Scott. Correct. Well done. Uh, Arrival and Enchanted. Enchanted like the Disney movie? Uh-huh. Amy Adams again? Yeah. Correct. Correct. That was process of elimination, yeah, wasn't yep. it? <laughs> I just knew, I knew she'd be on the list, so I just had to keep saying her name until eventually I got it right. Get Shorty and The West Wing. Oh, God. I love both of these. The West Wing. I just, I'm going to go through the entire cast of The West Wing in my head right now. Minor character. Oh, no. So Get Shorty is a better. Mm, I, I think this one's a stretch, to be honest. Only only because he's he, you'll know the name right away. And you'll, and he's one. He's like a that guy. Uh, I don't know. Adam Arkin. Oh, Adam Arkin. Yeah, okay. Total, total that guy. Yeah. That's a good one. Totally that guy, yeah. Yeah. Um Step Brothers and Don't Look Up. I haven't seen Don't Look Up yet, but I really want to. Uh Step Brothers, we've already gone through. My only hint is he's not an actor. He's not an actor. He's not an actor and he's in Step Brothers. Who's in Step Brothers that isn't an actor? Uh that has the name. I'll give you a second hint, but I didn't say he was in Step Brothers. You just said Step Brothers? Oh, uh, Adam McKay. Correct. Um, let's see. We only have three to go. Uh, anger management and airheads. <laughs> um, Adam Sandler. Correct. I was. It was really tough to find. I was trying to find two things that weren't his vehicles, yeah. just yeah. to make it. I almost did MTV's remote control, but I think that that would have been hard. I would not have known that, but I would have known both of the other two, so I would have had a shot anyway. Sherlock Holmes and Mean Girls. 
Sherlock Holmes the movies? Mm-hmm. All right. And Mean Girls. Oh, Rachel McAdams? Clever Correct. boy. <laughs> Fine. Final entry, Logan Lucky and The Last Yeah, duel. I was going to say, the Adam Driver had to be on this list eventually. Adam Driver, there we go. So you got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, correct, and only three, four, five, six, six eight to seven. You win. Well, if if a passing is fifty, I won. <laughs> you you passed today's test, sir. All right. The the Adam test project. That, as an Adam test project is a lot of fun. That actually was really good. That's a very good game. All right, well, as long as we're playing games, let's play another one, one that we haven't played in a while, which is our, our recast game, Jeremy. So what, what I'll do is I'm... Love it. <laughs> I'm going to give you our five favorite potential recasts, and your answer can be no recast, yes recast, and if recast, who? Uh, I have a feeling you knew this was coming, so we'll, we'll see how it goes. So uh, <laughs> recast the following if you can. The first is Max Cage, which is Maximum Nicolas Cage. Yeah, so I had this as a probably doesn't work, but in a slightly different version of this movie, he would be a great dad for this. Same for the for the right, but that that movie's a bit actually a bit probably closer to somewhere like a like a not a hot tub time machine, silly, but maybe a bit closer to a Bill and Ted's. It's a little bit more. He's a mad scientist, yep. you know, like I, but you could picture. Him like as this weird professor, and then freaking out when the kid shows up and things like that. I, yeah, I could absolutely see love that one. Uh, what about Baby Quaid? Baby Quaid, I don't know if he really fits in this movie. I think in a version where you do some role reversal stuff, I would have Baby Quaid take Zoe Saldana's mm. part, and you have the main characters as a, as a woman. Um, I think that's fine. Okay. Uh, what about Cold Nicole? Cold Nicole Kidman. <laughs> I you know I, she's now she's now a little aged out of the mom role, but not by too much. It it actually could be a really good one for her because she's meant to be a very lonely character. But I could also see her as the. That's villain. what I I actually think she could have done villain because villain the only person that she's actually having to interact with successfully is herself. Yeah, actually, villain. You know. Now that I'm thinking about it, but you'd have to then expand the part because she's just a bigger that's actress, true. right? You have to give her, but but that solves our aforementioned problem of give her some backstory. Let's understand her. Let's like I would have loved. I think a montage, by the way, of hers her descent from noble physicist, what inventor into like taking over the world could have been done in a really clever yeah, way. I totally. Agree. I think. Right. Uh, discount Johnny Depp, Skeet Ulrich. <laughs> I don't think I don't think Baby Skeet's got any place in this movie. This is the this is the one I'll leave out it, of. Could have been a henchman or something. I, unfortunately, I, I think you're right. And then last, our absolute favorite is Billy Zane. Well, all the parts, of course, because it's Billy Zane. You know, I wonder, by the way, younger Skeet maybe as the kid. I don't know what he was like as a 10, 12 year old actor. You know, maybe. But Billy Zane, for sure, as the bad guy, in a heartbeat, like, done. So my done. favorite role for Billy Zane in this would have easily been the, the 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 lead henchman for Bad Lady. Like, if you make Nicole Kidman Bad Lady and make Billy Zane her, Ooh. like, number one, like, fighter pilot, fighty, fighty thing, 
they're scary. Those two together, when they do that first shot where the plane comes down and you just see his face and she's standing behind him, like if it's those two, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is terrifying. <laughs> yeah. I think that's an interesting one. You know who I would have liked as the henchman for this is, I don't know her name. I've now seen her in the second movie, so I'm hoping we'll see more of her. Do you remember in um, Thor Ragnarok, the the Jeff Goldblum sort of henchman, henchwoman with the... With the with the the post the staff that melts yeah, people yeah yeah she's great I've I'm also blanking on her name right now but I like her a lot yeah she'd be awesome I don't know her name she's she's a New Zealand actress she was also in the Hunt for the Wilder People with also by YTD by the way you want to make this movie better directed by Taika uh, Waititi you, you know my opinions on him I think he could direct basically any movie and probably make it better <laughs> which is going to take me to my topic. Which is, I want to talk a bit about this director, Sean Lee. Okay. So, here are five movies this guy's involved in, right? The Internship, Free Guy, which I have not seen, Deadpool 3 coming up in a couple yeah. of years, Date Night, and Real Steel. Okay. And I went looking, he's done a lot of other stuff. He's a producer on Stranger oh, Things. Nice. Like, yeah, yeah. You, he, but, but here's my question Is, is he. Is he just basically a solid B? Ooh. Like, think about everything I just named. Are any of the... I went looking at all the stuff he's done, and we haven't... Obviously, we don't know what's coming with Deadpool 3. But has he done any movie that you... Anything from that list? And I can go read you some others, where you'd be like, oh, I want to see everything this guy does. Or is he more of a perfect Netflix movie director? So it's a good question because here's where I go to. I actually liked everything he's done. Everything you just said, I enjoyed. I enjoyed all of it. I don't think it's like a Taika Waititi thing where like if he's involved in it, there's no question. I have to go see it opening night and like want to make a deal of it. But I don't know. I think he's better. I guess it depends on how you define an A and a B. I would argue that if you're a director that does things that I want to see, regardless of how good or bad they are, but I always want to see them, that I would make him an, I would argue he's an A for that reason. I don't think he's going to win an Oscar. I, don't, I mean, he's not, you know, he's, he's not Oliver Stone. Like he's not all of a sudden going to like be one of those guys, I don't think. But every movie you said, even real, st- listen, Date Night is a really, really clever comedy romp for couples. Real Steel is a totally decent not quite phoned in silly action movie. This movie is a highly rewatchable, very enjoyable romp. He makes romps. He makes really good romps. I, yeah, I like him. I think he's good. I, I'd give him a B plus at the very least. Here, I, I'm going to give you a few others. And I, uh, then I'll tell you what I think is his, his best work. So he's also done, he did as a, as a producer. He also actually on the arrival, which I mentioned a yeah. little bit ago, um, I didn't even realize this, but apparently they're redoing uh, Cheaper by the Dozen. Yeah, I saw a poster for that recently, and it made me real concerned. And they're also making a real Steel 2. It's fascinating. And he is directing a reboot of Starman. So all movies that have come up on today's thing, interestingly. So he did the, um, the third season of Stranger Things. He directed, I think, all of it. It looks like eight episodes. I don't know how many there are, because that's the one I'm in the middle of. Uh, he did This Is Where I Leave You with Jason Bateman, which is fine. He did the internship with Vince Vaughn. Fine. Yeah. It's it's cute. It's fun. 
I would happily watch it on. It's a Sunday TNT Correct. classic, you know. Real Steel, it's a, it's a B minus. Right. Date Night's a one time kind of watch, maybe. I two. think Date Night's got rewatchability. I think it's fun. I think it's fun. I think it's just sort of. It's not one that you're going to be like, I got to watch Date Night again. So the best thing he's done, as far as I could tell, is the Night at the Museum first movie. He did both sequels also. That's a great dude. I actually think the first two were good. The third one starts to fall apart, but the first two were actually good. The first one was great. The second one was all right. Third one was bad. So I'm going to say that I think this guy's like a solid Netflix movie guy. And again, that's not to disparage B movie. Like it's not meant like B movies. This isn't like seventies seventies cinema. But um, I don't think I'd love to see them t- this guy take it up a couple of notches because every one of those movies I think is one issue away from being an A. F- Real Steel could have been an A, yeah, easily. It was a great concept, right? Yeah, I think that's fair. I like I'm happy with him where he is, to be honest. Like I, I think he's making like listen everything you just said. None of them made me go ugh. So everything he's doing is good. And like, that's kind of the trajectory. Very few filmmakers Spielberg it, as we found out last week, right. Who just come out of the gates high and then have to worry about getting worse. Most get better. John Favreau has gotten so much better. And it's not that he started at a bad place. He started really strong and now he can do all these different things, right? Watiti has gotten even stronger. Like this guy's got a deep resume. Like it's not like he's new, but I think realistically, right. if he keeps on the trajectory he's on, he's only going to keep being better and better. And he, listen, he also hasn't taken on from everything you just said, like he's taken on movies that are, they're not going to be Oscars buzz. You know what I mean? Like they're going to be stuff that kind of exists in that like really good popcorn-y, either date night or action comedy realm. So we'll see. We'll see what he does with what he's got coming up. Maybe he takes a, maybe he takes a turn. Sounds I'd good, be happy with that. What's one. your? I got one topic left. You have you have one topic. I'm all left done because we we've, we have overlap. So you are free to land the plane. All right, my last one was I couldn't get to five, so there's I got four. Maybe you can come up with a fifth in real time. It's not really a ranking because I think some of the ranking of this is fairly obvious, but just a quick discussion on child actors. Oh, sure. So here are the three I'm going to bring in. Maybe you can th- find find a fifth for the real time. So this kid. Then I'll give you Haley Joel sure. Osment from The Sixth yep. Sense, Jake Lloyd in The Phantom okay. Menace. I didn't say they were all good child actors. I just said they were all child actors. <laughs> and Macaulay Culkin in Home Alone. Okay. But I will say that they're, they're all examples of you're going to remember that kid. Yeah, I would say that you could probably put like a Chloe Grace Moretz in there just because I remember like every movie I've ever seen her in. And I was like, oh, boy, she's good. Um, where do you want to where do you want to give her? You want to give her kick ass or something? Well, or, she was also. I mean, she no, was no. also in uh, Five Hundred Days of Summer in a bit part, but she stole every scene she was in. She was she good was in that. Really good, good in that. that movie. She was brilliant in that yeah. movie. Yeah. Uh, Joey King's another one. She did a lot of stuff with Zach Braff. Um, so okay, so what am I doing? I'm ranking those child actors from best to worst. It's sort of more of a where is this guy going to fit in the list of these kind of folks? Is this his? Is he a Haley Joel Osment where he gets a couple of movies and then sort of disappears for a decade and then comes back? Is he Jake Lloyd gets gets washed out of acting forever? Um, 
uh, do is he or 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 is he Chloe Grace Moretz and has a long long career? Is he a Jason Bateman? Is he right. a uh, it's hard. I mean, obviously it's always hard to tell. I mean, I do think that kid actors today are better situated to not fall apart the way they did for a long time, just because we're in a better place parenting wise. Like, I think we're just more aware of the, the downfalls and what can happen. Cause you look at like, even like my generation of Disney kids with the exception of Britney Spears, who it's a whole different animal. Like a lot, most of them, have they've done well, right? Like, you know, Gosling was a child actor, crushing it. Selena oh. Gomez, crushing it. Um, you know, Timberlake, crushing there's, it. There's nothing like, yeah. yeah. This list you're going through, it's it's unbelievable. By the way, anyone listening, if you don't know, Google uh, 90s Disney, uh, what was Mickey the show Mouse called? Club. The Disney Club? Mickey Mouse yeah. Club. Look at that cast. Like, Everybody. Every single person goes on to do something. It's amazing. Yeah. And then even the generation after that was like Ariana Grande was in that group, right? And like Miley Cyrus is doing her own thing. She's, I think she looks happy. She looks fulfilled. She's doing her own stuff. So like, I think we're in a better position for these kids to be successful than, than we were before. That said, um, this kid's, first of all, he's amazing in this movie. Like, um, I think he was stealing scenes. Like it was so good. It was Agreed. so good. Um I will also say that more impressive are the interviews I watched him in. Like he is real life clever. Like he's a real life, clever, smart, grounded, at least, or he's acting again in the interviews, which is totally possible. But he comes across as like a kid who kind of like, he's got a Tom Holland vibe. He's got this, like, I'm here cause I'm having a good time. Oh my God, isn't this cool kind of thing going on, which if you make, acting gymnastics sports or whatever if it's fun and the kids loving it i think the likelihood that they do it forever is probably stronger than if you burn them out because it becomes a job also like working with guys like ryan reynolds and taika watiti is very well known for working with kids like the kids on jojo rabbit like if you make the set fun like wes anderson the kids are going to come back and then they'll probably be really successful there's this kid has to me He's got a big, he's got it factor. Like he just, he feels like he belonged on screen. And then watching him interact with his co-stars and watching him interact with the press, he kind of feels like he's got stay power. So unless he pulls a Jeffrey Baratheon and he's like, this sucks, I don't want to do this anymore. I think he's got a real shot at like hanging. I, I would put money on him being around. You, you mean that kid from Batman Begins? Right? right, the kid from Batman Begins. Who, by the way, I always forget his real name and I feel bad because he's amazing, uh, is finally coming back to acting. He just he just took it apart recently. I didn't know that. I uh, I guess it would, we, we could have done a more ranking thing. I think I forgot about the kid from Jojo Rabbit. And the other one that came to mind while you were talking is the kid from Moonlight uh, Kingdom. Moonrise Kingdom, yeah. Moonrise both those Kingdom. kids. Both of them yeah. were great. They were both great. Yeah. Uh, and I agree. Like we now live in the era where we've seen multiple generations of child actors lives go awry. So hopefully we're setting them up for less disastrous futures than, than in the past. Yeah. Well, cause I think like Culkin's a really interesting example, right? Because he sort of has chosen his lane, right? Like he chose to do what he did, but then you look at Kieran Culkin who also was very much a child actor and Kieran is crushing right now. Right. The Corey's kind of like showed you what not to do. And like Sean asked, like there's all these. Listen, bro, Josh Brolin, who gets made fun of all the time by Ryan Reynolds for being in the Goonies. Like, I think there's just a better roadmap to not burning these kids out 
versus right. the, when the, than there used to be. And also just the laws and rules have changed and are much more in favor of like healthy working conditions when like in the 90s or 80s and 90s, no one cared. <laughs> Dude, way way before then, you go look at you go look at child actors in the thirties, forties, fifties, etc. Not not yeah, so. I'm good. sure it was pr- not, basically not, slave labor. Pretty much, pretty much. Um, okay, so you're gonna end up at a seven. I think we we have a good good plot plot ed- edits to get you to a nine. Sure. By the way, I think I can get to a nine on this movie. Also, I just wanted to pick a lane. I think. I want this movie divided in two. One is this, like, the the kid and the older kid go on a rompy time travel adventure. And the other is a heavy set piece on grief and having technology and it not, but but the true story is it's just about grief. Sort of, sort of interstellar-ish. So I think where you and I differ is I think you could get this to a nine if they pick the lane. And I would rather they fix a couple of things they did in this and keep it at an eight and do both those things better, a little bit better. I don't need them. I like, I almost don't want this movie at a nine or a 10 because then I think it loses some of its fun for me because part of the reason it's fun is I think they were trying to do both of those things and realistically doing both of those things at a 10 is as we've seen nearly impossible. I, I think when I say a nine or a 10, like to me, I'll, I'll give you two examples of movies that I'd say are in lane and do the nine or 10 thing. One is, and I know it's not one of your favorites, but the Goonies, the Goonies is the a Goonies. nine or a 10 yeah. And and the other is uh, Thor Ragnarok, right? That movie to me is almost. I mean, again, now we're talking Taika, but like that's a ten. That movie managed okay. to do both. So tell me why this this is that's my point. That's this movie could be either of those in a slightly different universe, and we'd all be watching it over and over again forever. Like Thor Ragnarok's five years old. I've watched rewatched it more times than I think anything else in the entire MCU because it's a great movie. I want to rewatch Adam Project, and I'm probably not going to. Oh, I'm definitely going to rewatch this. And also, I think I think Ragnarok's an outlier, which is why I just don't expect that. <laughs> oh, I don't expect it, but I um, th- I think this is part of our whole thing. Is like the reason the reason I'm comfortable giving this a six is because I love movies, and I just I just see what it could yeah. be. Right. That that's all. I I I want. This generation needs more movie. Need like we need an Adam project to be a Goonies. We need a movie that my kids in twenty years are telling their kids, who are only watching everything in three second bursts anyway. But um, you know what I mean? Like I want those movies of. I do, and you know what, Jeremy? That's what I appreciate about you. Mm-hmm.